Hello, I'm Mike Browning. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today, we begin a new series of studies on the true principle that should drive Christian education, namely that God is the source of all knowledge. So we will search the scriptures to see how his knowledge is obtained. Well, folks, on our our panel today, we have Casey Butler and we have Morgan Vincent. Thank you for being with us today and sharing. And we'd like to invite everybody to join us for prayer before we start our discussion. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, dear Lord, that we're able to take this time to share together from the scripture. We pray that your Holy Spirit will equip us to do that. Give us thoughts, be with all those at home watching. Bless them also, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to discover that God established the basis for education in the Garden of Eden. And um, we need to talk about that a little bit here. So was that a, like a real dinky dive school with desks like we have here, Morgan? You, you can't imagine it being yeah. like that, can you? Yeah, you know, we, what we often think when it comes to education that it's, de- you know, desks, a classroom and things like this. But uh, the school in the Garden of Eden, it was a school, uh, mm-hmm. different from what we see today. But uh, it's quite amazing to think that nature itself was the classroom. Mm. Uh, and therefore, we have to ask the question then, well, who was the teacher? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was God himself uh, that was the teacher. And I just want to turn in our Bibles uh, to the text in, in Genesis chapter 1. And we see in verse 26 and 27, uh, I guess, an insight into this classroom uh, just a little bit more. And so the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's a pretty lively classroom. Mm. Uh, And verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Would have been a wonderful experience. Yes, and here they are, the image of God, perfect brains, Mm. clean slate, right? Yeah. Starting from scratch. And they've got total recall. Mm. That would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? That was my problem at school. (laughs) A lack of what I mean. (laughs) Too bad. Um, So their education begins right there. Um, And there were some major items there, Casey, that they would have to deal with. That's right. They had a few things which God um, wanted them to learn straight away. And uh, we find that if we have a look in Genesis chapter 2, verse um, 15, we find it says, The Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, if you understand what another word for dress could be like tend or work. Mm -hmm. But I find it fascinating because if if you look at the Hebrew behind that and then compare the usage of that in the scripture, another word that they often use there is serve. Mm -hmm. So to serve the garden, right? In other words, this is not just going to be like learning what to do, how to do it. You know, there's an element of joy and an outward focus in what he's learning. And um, also to keep it, so to protect it, guard it. Not to exploit it as as suggested um, in these verses. Yeah. yeah. So he would have been, you know, working with trees and, and the plants, the animals, learning mm. about all the idiosyncrasies, what they need. And um, 
Yeah, just working to help. Any gardener would appreciate this. Yes, definitely. I am and um, you really value yeah. your time working with nature. All right. Okay, what else did God teach Adam specifically at this stage? Sure, sure. We, we go back to Genesis 1 and uh, we'll pick it up in verse 29 and 30. Uh, God said in verse 29, See that I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So we're gaining an insight into, uh, if you will, the, the, the diet that was mm. given, the food that was given for optimum health, happiness, wholeness. Yeah. And verse 30 says, Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Now, the Creator God gives what is best for His creation. Mm. Uh, and that is here, another element of, of this classroom, if you will. Yeah, that's so interesting. We don't always think of this as a learning. I mean, yes, they, they didn't know it, obviously, and God had to tell them. Um, but we have to bear in mind that, that they were beginning, while they were adult in size, their brains... Mm were all waiting to be instructed mm. and guided as to how to live their life. And that's what this education was about. Mm. Uh, and there were rules to learn, Casey. Yes. yes, that's it. What would a school be without rules? <laughs> 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 so um, this one had one rule, just one. Um, and it was a restriction that God put on. And if you have a look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, Thou may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So basically, God was wanting Adam to learn about, you know, saying no, mm. um, that there's a place for boundaries and limits and mm. that having practicing self-control in that. OK, no, thank you for that. That's good. Um, all right. The teaching method that God used here. Uh, we need to talk about that for a mm. moment. Yeah, I, it wasn't like it in the front of a classroom, obviously. Sure, I, I, I like this teaching method. Uh, I was always the, the fidgeting uh, student in school; <laughs> could never, you know, stay still on the seat. But uh, we pick I it up that. in uh, in Genesis two, and uh, yeah, we find in verses nineteen and twenty. Uh, and I'll read: Out of every ground, uh, out, sorry, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. So Adam now has this task. Mm. Uh, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all uh, cattle, to all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. So here we see that, you know, Adam has this, you know, very hands-on learning. Mm. Uh, quite fascinating uh, in terms of the times when I've uh, been a teacher in school, that uh, they're finding that these are very uh, relevant but also very uh, important ways that students are learning mm. this mm. in this day and age and so it's no wonder that this was what it was like way back when mm. uh, when God created the world and, and set in motion uh, the classroom mm. uh, for Adam to be in uh, as well. It was a real hands-on biology class wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, it was. Really it was. quite amazing indeed. It's true Morgan because you say with, with learning the more mm. elements and sensory yeah. elements you can have the better you learn so sight, mm -hmm. touch, um, you know all of those things really yep. help to enhance that yeah. Mm. Mm. No, that's true. good um, and of course they didn't you know they were a man and a woman introduced to each other um, and they didn't have any understanding of relationships and so on so how did God deal with that? Did he have 
some guidance for them in the area of relationships. Definitely, definitely he did. Yeah. And I find it so amazing how God went about this Mm. because um, when he obviously he created Adam first, um, but then when he went to create Eve, he could have just made her the same way he did Adam, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, get some clay, form it all together, Mm. you know, put the breath of life in her and then take her and introduce her. But no, he did something different and it really has a lesson in Mm. it. Mm. Let's have a look at what happened in Genesis chapter two and verse 22 and 23. Mm. It says, um, well, actually, if I just put a bit of context, first God gave Adam surgery, <laughs> put him to sleep, you know, like anesthetic. And um, then it says in verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man. So he took a rib out and then he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So um, basically from from this account, um, he t- he's teaching that like by taking the rib out, it's mm. like that this person that has been created is someone special because it was close to his heart. Mm. And so therefore he was to treat this person as someone to cherish and um, treat as an equal with differences, of course. Mm. Um, but uh, in that way, God was using like this practical illustration of how they were mm. to have, you know, treat treat one another. And um, I think that's really powerful. And symbolism is a, foul, a powerful teaching tool, actually, isn't, isn't it? And this yeah. is what God uses right here and carries throughout his relationships with pe- human beings, right yes. through the Bible, it's recorded, the power of symbols. So thank you for that. True, true. Um, and of course, um, moved right into, and he was describing marriage, the marriage relationship mm. here. Um, and I think that's quite remarkable. And it's important that they were able to get that clear. All right, anything else of significance packed into this early curriculum? Mm. Yeah, we find uh, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verses 2 and 3, uh, the Sabbath, you know, this day of rest, this day of uh, undivided attention uh, that God would have with his creation, mm. namely uh, man. And so I, I would want to read in verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He's making it holy. He's Mm -hmm. setting it apart because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Something fascinating stands out to me is that, yes, God does want a whole day, uh, you know, set aside undivided attention with his creation. And it's almost as though in God creating for the six days prior, that uh, God was pleased with all of this. But then upon creating man, he finds the object of his love. Mm. Uh, humans made in his image to now spend time with them. Mm. Uh, it's amazing to the insight we gain. Uh, but yet, even still for us in you know, 2020, the Sabbath still stands okay. yeah. as that time of relationship. It does. And the Sabbath is actually a promise in a sense. It's mm. a promise of God's desire to be with his children, his hum, mm. human, human children. And I think that's a wonderful pledge that he's made with the Sabbath to do that. Okay, thanks for that. Um, moving on, um, as Adam and Eve studied the natural world, which is what they did, yes. um, what else would they have learned, Case? They picked up a lot of things. Yes, that's very true. So it's, it's interesting. You can learn a lot about someone 
by examining what they mm. do and how they go about their work. Yeah. So like you can learn about an artist by examining their art. You can learn about a musician by listening to their music, examining their music. You can learn about an author by reading mm. their books. Mm -hmm. And you can learn about the creator by studying his creation. And so as Adam and Eve interacted with um, all of the wonderful things that God had made around, um, around them, they would have learned and seen lots of things that taught them more about God and what he was like. And just as an example, one that is most, I think, most prevalent and most paramount is that everything that God has created lives and exists to give and benefit another. Mm. And that is just what God is like. You know, he lives and exists to give and to minister to his creation. Okay, so we learn a lot about him through what he's made. Thank exactly. you for that point. Mm. I really appreciate that. Mm. Um, they also had some things to learn about themselves, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, they, they certainly did. Uh, you know, man was created, you know, perfect, holy, uh, massive intellect, as we've uh, learned already. But I want to read in Genesis 2, 17. It says, uh, but of every tree, this is God uh, speaking to man uh, and commanding man, but of every tree of the uh, knowledge of good and evil, uh, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So they were to learn that, you know, they had the power of choice. They had the power to choose, you know, good or evil. They had the power to choose to obey God, to live a holy life. And uh, uh, it's interesting that uh, this is, you know, obedience is connected with happiness and wholeness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what God wants for each of us as well. Yeah. God was um, very compassionate at this point, mm -hmm. giving them the opportunity of exercising their free will mm -hmm. uh, and learning how powerful it is. Mm. Um, and of course, we know they made some serious mistakes with yeah. that, but they didn't have to. Mm. But they did have to learn how to use it. And this was God's opportunity for them to do that. Um, this free will was soon to be challenged, as we said, in chapter three. Mm. I noticed the first, well, we're all probably pretty familiar with these first few verses. Uh, perhaps not all, but most would be. And it talks about the devil using the serpent as a cover in verse one, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. And he approaches the woman at this tree, the forbidden tree, and says, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And she kind of gets tricked into talking about it in mm. a kind of subtle way. And she says in verse two, oh, yes, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But there's a restriction, verse three records it, of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And he said, you will not surely die. Now that one, that was the basis of the temptation. Um, the ability now was up to her to use her ability to, to, make, to uh, choose what is right. So what mm. did she choose to do? What is happening here? Yeah, yeah, this this test, I mean, pretty much all education has tests and this is the one in Eden. <laughs> um, but this one was a very serious test because it had very significant yeah. consequences as depending on how they went with it. And um, basically the test was, did Adam and Eve love God and would they obey him? You know, mm. did they, how, how much did they know? Like they had learned obviously a lot about his character so far. Yeah. You know, did they respect that? And did they then, you know, give their loyalty to God? Loyalty is a really important word here. Yeah, yes. that's yeah. right. So, um, yeah, that's basically the essence of it. And um, 
they were to choose either that or the other narrative which was presented to them, which was, you know, oh, God doesn't really mean what he says and, mm. you know, what he is, you can't really trust that. Um, today still. That's right. Yeah. And so that was the that was the alternative viewpoint of, yes. of, you know, that they could choose from. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, they chose the alternative and mm. the results have been very, very disastrous. They have. Um, That's the word yeah. I was thinking too, disastrous, yeah. is only way to describe <laughs> it. Look, we need to examine Eve's thinking processes here because I think it can be informative for us yeah. as we go to think through that. What do you think, um, Morgan, of Eve's response to the question in Genesis 3-1, which was, has God indeed said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? What do you suppose... What do you think of the response that she makes to that mm. question? Yeah, yeah I, I guess one point that first springs to mind is uh, I don't know what she's doing talking to the serpent. You know, that, that's a lesson <laughs> in and of itself. But uh, the recall that, uh, that Eve gives in, in verse 3, uh, she says, uh, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. God originally in, in chapter 2 in the command that he gave was, uh, you know, you shall not eat it uh, lest you surely die. So Eve is, if you will, lessening the impact mm. or lessening the, the gravity, I'm thinking the force of the command that God gave, yes. uh, diminishing it down. Uh, mm. And that's quite interesting because this is where she, she starts to get unstuck. Mm. She's, you know, on shaky ground, if you will. Yes. Yep. Okay. So she misses the power of God's message mm. to yeah. her and, uh, and she overlooks that. So how did the devil respond to her then? It's very interesting because he actually, the word that she missed, mm. he actually included. That's interesting. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So in Genesis 3 verse 4, we read that says the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now, unfortunately, that was blatantly contradicting what mm. God said. Yeah. And um, I guess because of Eve's instability, which um, mm. Morgan was kind of pointing out before, um, she seemed to just get swayed very easily by what Satan was portraying mm. to her mm. in terms of what to believe. Yeah, no, yeah. that was too bad too. Um, yeah. So what options did Eve have at this point, do you see, Morgan? Yeah, you know, she, she still does have, the, I guess, you know, the instant... Uh, access and uh, connection to God, her teacher. Mm. Um, she is relying on her own wisdom, her own insight. Mm. Uh, listening, engaging in conversation with, with the serpent isn't a good thing. Um, and so, again, there's this, this power of choice that mm. she's exercising here, uh, but she continues to engage in conversation with the serpent instead of with God. Okay, mm. she well. could have gone to God mm. to help here. Um, so this tells us something, Cassie, about um, facing life's issues today, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, so true. I mean, Eve didn't take seriously what God had said. She didn't. She had all that instruction, all that knowledge, all that mm. experience that she could have drawn from, but she just, I don't know, had a bit of a carelessness about it. And um, I think that if that, I mean, there's a lesson that for us too. You know, we have yeah. to be very diligent and attentive of what God is teaching us. And, um, and really put faith in God that he wants what's best for us um, in, in that. And yeah. also, like that's one thing, but then the other thing that's vital is to really make a commitment to, to obeying that, you know, and, mm. and sticking by God's ways. Okay, yeah. look, thank you for that, mm. Casey. I appreciate that. 
Now, Morgan, the major goal, mm. just sort of backing up a little bit here, of education before sin entered, before this terrible event occurred, was to acquaint humanity, the first humans, with God himself, his character, what he is like and so on. So now, what is the major goal of education after sin has entered? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's still just that. You know, it's, it's to reacquaint, uh, you know, the creation with the creator. Mm. It's uh-huh. to reacquaint uh, the creation with the truth of who God is. Uh, you know, the, the lies that were spun and told to, um, to, to Adam and Eve, God is setting about through education to undo those lies and to uh, teach us, if you will, the truth of who God is. Yes, I mean, and so it's it's, it's kind of reconciling. That's to right. God. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, these words of you know uh, redo or reconcile, doing mm-hmm. it again, uh, what was originally there as well. Uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to read now some uh, to sec- move to Second Peter actually in the New Testament, folks. Chapter one, Second Peter, chapter one, and I'm going to read verse three and four there, uh, and this is what it says: as His divine power has given to us all things. Uh, Other translations say everything Mm. that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And that's what we're talking, the knowledge of him. Uh, Verse four, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Um, so this is a very powerful promise here and a statement. So what, can you um, pick up for us what he's saying here? Yeah, Casey, yeah for sure. Um, so basically he's saying an education in the knowledge of God will give us pretty much all that we need to have success in this life mm-hmm. and also to reach the purpose which God has for us, which is basically to be restored into the image of God because originally he created humanity to reflect his character and his image. And so that's what godliness is, you know. And um, if, yeah, if we have a knowledge mm-hmm. of God, we are able to then fulfill that purpose you know, thank and you. also, good. yeah, God helps us along the way in the path of life very much too. <laughs> mm, mm, no, good. I like you equating godliness mm. with the image of God there. That's very beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, still in verse um, three of Second Peter 1, um, the divine power was given to us all things or everything that pertains mm. to life. What is this everything here? Yeah, the, the great thing is that uh, the Bible just keeps on giving us the answer. Um, and, and so I'm going to just continue reading uh, in Second Peter chapter 1 uh, from verses 5 to 8. And this is where we see the everything, if you will. Mm-hmm. Verse 5, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control. These are, you know, descriptors, if you will, of what was happening you know, originally in the garden, you know, this knowledge, this self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be uh, barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. So this is true education Mm. uh, in the sense of uh, the kind of life and the kind of people that God intends for us to be. And, uh, 
yeah, this happens through, through Christ, through his promises as well. Okay, so the bottom line of true education is the knowledge of God himself, mm. I think, is coming mm. through very strongly there. And really, too, Mike, if I may add, you know, to, to know God is mm. to love him. Okay. And that was the original intent. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I love that. Um, excellent indeed. All um, of these verses, if I may add one more thing too. Yes. <laughs> All of these verses are actually showing you systematically how you can build up that character that reflects God's image. Mm. You see at the end there, it talks about brotherly kindness, charity, godliness, all those things. It's showing that there's a process in character building. Um, and of course, as we claim God's promises, which we read about earlier in chapter four, we are mm. able to achieve this by the grace of God. Okay. So if your knowledge was limited to splitting the atom <laughs> and you didn't have a knowledge of God, your education is incomplete. Correct. And uh, that's what we're saying here. All right. Um, I'm going to just read um, a challenging warning that comes to us from Peter here in chapter two now of second Peter. Mm verse one and two, and it's worth bearing this in mind. But there were also false prophets among you, among the people, sorry, even as there will be false teachers among you, um, you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Um, this is a very important point that's being raised for us here. What's he saying, really, Casey, the bottom line of what he's saying? Well, you can't believe everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, is, there are people out there, who, even this is talking about false teachers among you. So these are people who are professing to believe God mm. and understand God's ways, but they're teaching lies. Mm. They're teaching things that are false and deceptive and that are actually, it says, you know, speaking evil, so casting a bad name on the truth that God would have us know. Okay. And mm. so... Um, it's just, yeah, we have to be so careful. Okay, and of course, the scripture is our only way of ensuring that we have the teaching correct. We're so correct. blessed to have this book. Yes. That God has spoken here. So here's the true source of knowledge. Yeah. I thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, is it possible to have a true education about salvation? And this is a serious point. Mm. Get, the, get the knowledge right. Get the, the education right about salvation and how to have it and still be lost. Mm. It, it, it is. And that's quite a startling thing. Uh, we just go over to chapter 2 again in verse 20 and 21. Uh, the Bible says, For if after they uh, had escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Mm-hmm. So this is you know, a description of people who have come to a knowledge of the truth They've fallen away. They've been overcome, entangled again. Uh, the latter end is worse than that. And 21, so it's possible to lose all that you've gained. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And uh, verse 21, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Okay. Now, we're running short of time now, so we're going to have to skip over here and to a, a final question, which I'd like to address to you, Morgan, if I mm. could. Um, Peter does have some encouraging news. He warns us about false teachers, but he does have some encouraging news, doesn't mm. he, here? Yeah, he does. And, and I'll read the text in Second Peter 2, uh, in verse 9. It says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And so there truly is a message of deliverance mm. as we keep our eyes on Jesus. Mm. Okay, and that's the thing, keeping mm. your eyes on Jesus himself. Yeah, good news. <laughs> yeah, it is very good news to finish on. Well, we'll have to stop there. Thank you for your input today. 
Um, we don't often think of the Garden of Eden or the natural world for that matter as a classroom, but it was a classroom and it still is. And God is still the teacher. The discerning eye will see God's name on every leaf of the forest, on every star in the sky. And in our busy world, God is still speaking to those who are listening. Well, we're glad you've been with us on Let God Speak today. You can view all of our past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Look for teacher's notes there. Uh, you can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au and we'd love you to join us again. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.